Hey, good morning, everyone. It's really good to have you here. Isn't Bruce a great guy? If you know him, you uh, realize that positive attitude is just contagious. And uh, God has entrusted, because of that, more people to Bruce in his life. And that's what this whole concept of you and two has always been about. It's your life and two other people who don't have the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you want to at least hear it and present it with them. That's why we're here this morning. We want to grow deeper and wider in our understanding and our love of God, his word, and people. And uh, as we do that, we want to, um, we want over these next 40 days, do three things. Number one, we want to be challenged. We want to challenge everyone, myself included, to grow deeper and wider in our relationship with Christ. And we do that through our worship together, where we, where we worship through music, where we get into God's word, where we uh, hear different stories about what God is doing in the lives of other people as he's growing them. We do it through your time with the Lord, through this deep and wide adventure guide, which is a daily journey through the New Testament. And, uh, you know, I've been going through this this week and this morning I woke up early and I read through the first five chapters of Mark because I wouldn't call you to do something I'm not willing to do. But reading through the New Testament has just been a blessing to me. I've really seen Jesus. I've really seen his life and his heart of love and his call to all of us to a relationship with him. We've also called you into a connection to a small group that you can uh, uh, share what God is teaching you in this adventure guide and grow deeper and wider with a group of people. And then we're going to call you and challenge you into a deeper and wider ministry in your life using uh, what God has blessed you with inside as well as outside of your church. And as we grow, we're going to also you're going to also see a vision. We're going to show a vision to you of advancing the gospel from your life to another, of uh, advancing and enlarging our church facilities so that we can invite more people into what we're experiencing here. We're going to actually call you into a vision of even giving beyond Fellowship Bible Church into other churches that are growing and that could use a building that we will help them with around the world. And we're also going to call you to a vision of serving. We believe God has blessed every one of you with a spiritual gift that you can serve and advance the gospel through your life. And then we do this every time we share a vision. We're going to call you to invest your life into this vision. We're going to call you to share the gospel with people. If you believe this, we want you to share it with someone else. We also are going to call you to give, and we do that unapologetically. Um, and, and everything is above board and we want you to give joyously to that. We're going to also, uh, call you into, um, just living a life on purpose where you're following and you're growing deeper and wider in a relationship with God. So over these next six weeks in this series, there's going to be six key biblical values that are going to guide us. And these values of a deep and wide life are seen in the scriptures, but they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so what we want you to do, at least these first few weeks, as we kind of share these values, is I want you to ask the question of listening to the Holy Spirit and just saying, God, what do you want for me? What kind of life do you want for me? And what do you think I ought to do in response to who you are? And this first, this first value is shown to us in the book of First John, if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, if you don't, there's some in the back, and I don't mind you getting up right now and grabbing a Bible so you can see it, but it's a New Testament book, 
1 John chapter 4, we're going to read verses 7 through 12. Our first value is listed 15 times here. And as we read it, I want you to look for it. And if you've placed your faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you are a child of God. And as a child of God, you have a heavenly father who wants you to ask of him. He wants you to boldly ask of him. And this is one key value that you're to ask. It says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. If anyone who does not, uh, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation or a payment, a full satisfaction of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. I want to ask you the question from this passage. What is the best prayer request you can ask of God? It's repeated. It's repeated 15 times in five verses. It's, it's to love, isn't it? It's to love. You see, God calls us to be motivated by love. Since God loves us, we're called to love others. We're called to be people who are not only loved by God and receive his love, but also advance his love through our lives. We're called to be motivated by love. Jesus, on his ministry here on earth, was asked by a teacher of the law. And he said, teacher, sarcastically, what's the greatest commandment? If you could sum up all the commandments, what would it be? And Jesus answered in Luke ten twenty-seven. he said, you shall love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. See, that's that whole picture. Jesus calls us into a life where it's motivated by love. Now, what does it mean to be motivated by love? It means that whatever I think, whatever attitude I hold, whatever action I make is done from a heart that loves. A heart that gives rather than one that expects to receive. A life motivated by love is actually how you and I were originally created before we fell into sin. God created us because he loved us. He called us very good and he created a perfect environment for us to live and to love him and others around us. And that's why we have this desire within us to be loved. And when you're not loved, you know it. When you don't feel love from someone, the flags go up because that is how God created you to be loved. And you want your thoughts and your attitudes and your actions to be motivated by love. You want that. In how you learn, in your thinking, in your, in your, um, in your knowledge base, you want that motivated by love. You see, When a guy loves a girl, he wants to know everything about her. 
When you're interested in someone, you go on Facebook and you become a creeper of them. You look and find out everything about them. You look at all the photos you possibly can because you want to get to know them. When there's an interest, when you love someone, you want to know everything about them. And when you're motivated with God with a heart of love, there's going to be no problem with you opening up the Bible and reading it because you want to learn about him. You want to hear how he's dealt and how he's loved people way before you in the Old and the New Testament and what he calls for you and how to live in his love right now. That's that whole picture. And when we're motivated by love, it pleases God. It fulfills his commands and it charts a direction for us for everything we do. Whatever you do, be motivated by God's love. In your walk with Jesus, you can pursue many things, but God is most concerned with how you're loving. When you're serving him, God is most concerned of how you serve out of a heart of love. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, look at what he says. I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am, what does it say? Nothing. And if I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Do you see how important this is? God calls us to be motivated by his love. And that's why we can have a tremendous knowledge base of the scripture. But if we do not love, it's only half the story of God's, God's power in our lives. Folks, we are, we are called to be known by how we're loved. And we can't be known if we aren't exhibiting love. Some people share openly how much they love Jesus and the word of God. Yet they don't have a tolerance for people, especially people who don't act or think or speak like they do. They're not motivated by love. God calls us to be motivated by his love. And not only does God call me to be motivated by love, he also has an unlimited supply of his love. God promises to give us an unlimited supply of his love. Now, God's love is immeasurable. It's not a scarce resource with him. We place value on scarce resources. And we tend to be moved by scarce resources. So when you drive by the pump and you see gasoline climbing up and you know that that's going to hit your checkbook, what do you do? You get upset, right? Because it's a scarce resource. When I first moved here to Topeka over 11 years ago, gas was 99 cents a gallon. And now it's like 3.59 on my way to church this morning. What in the world? It's a scarce resource that even the perception of scarcity drives up the price or of another scarce resources like diamonds or the first version of a hot new gadget or the most beautiful person. We put high value on beautiful people, but yet God has a vast and immeasurable amount of love that he wants to pour in and through our lives. And it's interesting to me, just as I think about this, that the resource we need so much of that God has an unlimited supply of. It's so scarce in our world. And it's so scarce in our own lives. You see, Paul was defined by the love of God. 
through Jesus Christ. And his own life moved from persecuting those who believed in the gospel to actually preaching and advancing the gospel to the ends of the earth. He, um, he was radically changed because of the love of God. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 to 19, he kind of takes out the tape measure of his mind. And he prays for the church in Ephesus. And I pray for you like this. Paul gives us great encouragement. And he prayed that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. And once they have that, that they would be rooted and grounded in love and may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you see what he's saying? He's he's uh, kind of stretching out this tape measure of his mind to get a glimpse of the capacity of God's love in his life. He even asked the church in Ephesus, try to get your mind around it. I'm asking you, try to get your mind around the love of God. Because when you're rooted and grounded in the love of God, that basically when you're motivated by the love of God, God will give you more of it. You will get a larger perspective of it and you'll use more of it and you'll live with more of it because you're getting more from God. The more you ask for, the more God gives. I get a kick out of that. Um, I'm really dating myself. That 80s group, Air Supply. How many of you remember Air Supply? Do you remember that song they sang? They said, I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. With Jesus, you're never out of love. Never. Never. But we're lost without him. If we don't have him, we're supplied with self-love. And self-love, folks, is toxic. Because you already love yourself and it's not working out. When you love yourself, everyone's viewed by what can you do for me? When you're supplied with the love of God, you really love like Jesus loves and you give yourself up for others. That's that picture. So you are called to be motivated by love, but you're given an unlimited supply of love. Why? Because God empowers me to love and he empowers you to love. Let's keep reading in 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. He says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Listen to this. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. See, one of the reasons we have uh, the Holy Spirit in our lives is to empower us to love. It's true that the Holy Spirit guides us into truth. It's true that he convicts our hearts of sin and shows us the light of the gospel. He also enlightens our minds and our hearts as we read the scriptures. That's why it's so important you get into the word each day. Because the Holy Spirit just comes into your life and reminds you and, and calls you to apply the word, not just know the word, but to understand it and apply it to your life. 
But the Holy Spirit also empowers you to love. And he empowers us to love each other. That is why the Spirit of God is so grieved when we have things like dissension or gossip or disunity or quarrels or anger. Because that, these things present his, prevent his power from actually moving from our lives to someone else, the people God loves. And so the goal of God for our lives, remember we talked about this last week? God desires us to be faithful servants, fearless witnesses. In order to do this, to live this way, we must abide in the love of God. And John uses this word abide. And he, if you read John's writing, like the life of Christ in the gospel of John, you'll find that in John chapter 15, Jesus said to John and the rest of the disciples, I am the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. So we're called to abide in a relationship with Jesus and his love. We're called to live where he is the source and sustainer of our lives and the way we love. God empowers you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. So what you need the most, God has the most of. And he empowers us with it if we'll simply ask. But he also does this through love. He transforms people through love. You know, love implies a relationship. I know you can love ice cream, but, but when you love a person, it's about a relationship with them. Religions are rarely about relationships. Religions are about rules. You have to be good enough. You have to measure up. You need to level up to your personal goodness in order to please the gods or whatever god there might be that you serve. I've seen this. And religions are hard and they're difficult and they're discouraging. Because when you don't measure up, you feel like the god is against you. You feel like you're you're just trying to keep him off. I remember when I was in India, they have over a million gods that they've constructed over there. And you would go to these places and you would buy these images of gods and you would, you would put them in front of your house so that you would scare the evil spirits away from your house. So nothing bad would happen to you. That was your religion. You just didn't want anything bad to happen. If something bad happened, then the gods must be against you. This is not the God of the scriptures. It's not. God is a God of love who calls us into a relationship with him. We're created for that relationship with God and with each other. And when we have that relationship with our creator, then we need to follow the pattern of his love in all the other relationships of our lives. Look at what John continuing on says in verse 18. He says, there is no fear in love. See, most religions have a fear-based perspective. Don't mess up. God will get you. With Jesus, it's you have messed up, but God has saved you. For perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected by love. We love because he first loved us. God was the first. That's why Jesus came down here as a baby. 
And he lived a perfect life, a life that you and I can't live. We were not capable of living a perfect life. He did. And he died on a cross so that he could satisfy the debt of my sin and yours. And it was at the cross that he fully satisfied the payment for my sin. And after he died, the third day, he rose again from the dead. And he he offers us eternal life. As he has life, he gives us life now because he defeated death for us. But then if you just work it way, work it the way back, the motivation of why Jesus came was because of God's love for us. And that we no longer have to fear condemnation. We no longer have to fear desperation and we no longer have to fear separation from God anymore. See, God's love transforms us. It transforms. People are transformed because of the love of God. It literally transformed bad news into good news. That's why the gospel literally means good news. If we'll simply believe it. And so also, here's the final thing about it. And that is God advances the gospel through love. Now, Paul advanced the gospel. In uh, the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 1, he prayed that the church in Philippi, that their love would abound more and more. And Paul was literally willing to suffer for the gospel. Why? Because he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus more than anything else. He so believed and loved him that he was willing to go wherever, however, to whomever was open to the gospel. This is what happens. When you love Christ more than any other, you're willing to go. You're willing to stay. You're willing to sacrifice. You're willing to endure. You're willing to expand and advance the gospel to people he loves. You literally love people God loves. And Paul said that as he did that, in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 1, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul would say, for me to live, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He loved Jesus more than anyone else. That's why the the prayer that we always need to pray is that Jesus Christ would be the greatest that we would love him with our first and our best. That's that whole picture. We're called to advance the gospel. Now, I've seen this with people. If they don't love Jesus, when they go through persecution, they fall off on the wayside. They think God is out to get them. They think something has been wrong, that God fooled them or, or shifted the, the reward or that they're only supposed to have sunshine when God's around in their lives. But Paul was willing, because he loved Jesus, to go anywhere and have anything happen to him because everything was an opportunity to advance the gospel. Folks, think about the limitations we place on the gospel when we turn up our nose on people. When we make judgments about where they are spiritually or how much better we are than they are. So if you're going to be part of a growing and thriving church, we always need to be growing in love. Why? Because we're a family. We're a family. And if you have a family of a whole bunch of different aged kids, you're going to grow in your love. You are. When grandpa comes in and says, I'm sorry, I don't do diapers. I had put in my time. Don't do diapers anymore. You guys handle that. 
Or when uh, you're carrying something and there's a little toddler crawling on the ground, it's easy to go, get out of the way. It's not easy to be motivated by love. And I found in our church as we've continued to grow that we also have to keep growing in love. And when we grow in our love, we'll grow for tolerance of people. We need to bear with one another. We want to bear with people who aren't where we're at with Christ yet. But you know, shame and guilt is not motivated out of love. And so we're going to have a whole bunch of, some of you have not yet trusted in Christ. You're welcome here. Some of you have just trusted in Christ. You're taking your first few steps with Christ. We're going to give you grace, but we're going to call you to more. When we're growing in love, folks, we can have those conversations about truth when we do it in love. When we're growing in love, we can call people who are immature in their faith and in their lives and in their relationships, and we can call them to deeper maturity, but we're going to do it with love because we're a family. And a family is growing deeper and wider with the love of God and with a love for each other. You see, the gospel advances on the platform of love. It, the gospel tells you that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you are accepted by God, that you're secure in God, and that you're significant for the mission of God. This is the result of the gospel, the good news from God to us. And it's based on the pure and undeserved love of Jesus Christ. See, because God calls us to be motivated by love, because he has an unlimited supply of love, and he empowers me with love and transforms people with love and even advances the gospel with love, the best prayer request should be, the best prayer request should be, God, grow me deeper and wider in your love today. Write this one down. It's not rocket science. It's simple. But folks, we need to keep growing deeper and wider in the love of God in our lives. I need to. You need to. What could God do if we prayed this simple prayer every day of our lives? I'm going to ask you to do that each day this week, is to pray this prayer for yourself. God, grow me deeper and wider in your love today. What could happen with your spouse if you prayed this for her or for him? God, grow my spouse deeper and wider in your love today. What would happen in the lives of your children? You see, it's so easy as a dad to get focused on academics or athletics or their attitude that, that a heart for God sometimes is put on the sidelines on my prayer request. God, change them. You know, but Lord, grow them deeper and wider in your love today. What could happen to those people in your small group if you prayed this for them every day? What would happen to your friends, your neighbors? What could happen in the life of your pastor if you prayed for me to grow deeper and wider in, in God's love today? What could happen if you prayed this for our elders What could happen if you prayed this for the city of Topeka? You know what God would do? I believe God would change our motives so that we would be more motivated by his love. I believe that God would give us more of it because he has an unlimited supply of it. I believe that he would empower us in his love. I believe he'd transform us. And I believe that the gospel would be advanced because of this prayer.
as we look to grow deeper and wider as a church, we want to always grow deeper and wider in the love of God. A love that opens our arms and welcomes more people here. People whom God loves. A love that opens our facilities. Opens our doors for more people to hear about Christ, to grow deeper and wider with Christ, and to be invested into the kingdom of God. Folks, here's what I hear about FBC outside of this place. I hear that we're a loving church. That, um, that we learn, have learned how to love people. And so as we're motivated by love, we're going to continue growing in that. So let's commit to pray that God would continue to grow us deeper and wider in our love for him today. Now, at the, um, at the end of each message, you're going to have an opportunity to see an elder of our church. And this week, we have Elder Rick Tagg. Rick, would you make your way up here? Rick was instrumental in the planting of Fellowship Bible Church. And I just want to share a very interesting fact. September 8th, 1996 was the first Sunday FBC met. And it was on a Sunday. It's now September 8th, 2013. We now are 17 years old today. And so it's uh, very fitting that uh, one of the founders of this church is going to speak and share a few thoughts and then close our time in the word and prayer. Rick, would you lead us? Thanks, Joe. And thanks for the challenge to be a loving church. I appreciated Joe's last point, that God advances the gospel through love. And is there another method that God uses to advance the gospel? Um, You know, it's through loving people like yourselves out there in the community, meeting people, meeting neighbors, meeting friends, influencing their lives, demonstrating the love of God to them. It's a very attractive thing, and it's transformational. I'm here this morning. You know, we're celebrating 17 years of Fellowship Bible Church, but I've got an invitation for you, and it's an invitation based on love. It's an invitation to join me in giving generously to spiritually transform the lives of people we've never met. If you're like me, you enjoy giving. We were created to be a giving people, weren't we? And that's one of the ways that we love is by giving. Um, if perhaps you're like my wife and I and have given to projects around the world, Christian missions in places like Haiti, the Dominican Republic, Central America, Africa, Asia, ministries across the United States, and here at Fellowship Bible Church. But for me, the most rewarding giving I've participated in has been giving at Fellowship Bible Church these past 17 years. That reward has been seeing literally thousands of lives touched and transformed by the power and truth of Jesus Christ. And you're a part of that here today. And it's been a very rewarding ministry. I'm very uh, happy that I have had the privilege of being a part of it. And we want to invite all of you to be a part of that as we go forward. You know, you heard that we are now 17 years old as a church. If you were to go back in time with me, 18 years, you would see the founders of Fellowship Bible Church seated at Topeka Bible Church, a church that uh, we love and honor. It was a great church then. It's a great church now. And because it was a great church, it was bursting at the seams with people. 
And I remember so clearly sitting in that church that I loved, looking around, seeing that there were no empty chairs available for people who were not yet attending. So we had a problem to be solved. And those of us that uh, felt called, 40 of us, stepped out in faith to solve that problem. And the answer was founding Fellowship Bible Church. And that's how we had our beginning. So you see that one of our core values from day one was to always have empty chairs and an open door available for people who were not yet attending. One of my most disheartening experiences at Fellowship Bible was actually in our church building at 17th and Indian Hills. And after a period of growth, one Sunday morning, I was sitting in a place where I could have a view out into the lobby. And I saw a couple drive up, walk in the lobby, peek inside, see that there were no empty chairs. They turned around and left. And uh, it was a very saddening day. And I was thinking at that time, I want to be committed to making sure we always have an empty chair. This building is a part of the response to that situation we found ourselves in. It wasn't about us. We had a place to worship, but it was about people that hadn't yet attended. Our deacons are telling us that we're now on a trajectory of growth, that we're going to outgrow our current facility in the next few months. So our 11 o'clock service is going to fill up here in the next few months, and then this service is already pretty much filled, and the Saturday services are filling up as well. So now is the time we need to be preparing because it will take some time to uh, build a new building that will facilitate and accommodate more people. We still have that common value of always having an empty chair and an open door available for people that are not yet attending. You know, Fellowship Bible Church has a mission that we've stated clearly, and that is advancing the kingdom of God by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Because that mission is one that's progressive and one that's advancing, it's always inviting more people to join us on that mission. So as we prepare for this next phase of growth, I would ask you to begin praying now over these next several weeks how you can join me in giving generously and substantially to prepare for people that we've not yet met. So as we think about that and pray about that, um, you'll want to participate in the vision gatherings. The first one is going to happen later today. Please come to that if you're available or come to one of the ones in the next several weeks. But begin praying now personally and as a family of how you can participate in ministering to people that are out there in Topeka that still have a, a desperate spiritual need to hear the truth about Jesus Christ. Please join me in praying. Dear Father, we thank you for your love for us. And it's because of you first loving us that we were rescued out of a dark place where we were lonely, without spiritual hope, and without hope for eternity. Thank you for loving us enough to send your son and to make a way for us to know you and be a part of your family. And thanks for this church here at Fellowship Bible where we can be a part of your mission of inviting more and more people into your family. We pray your blessing on that mission. May you be honored and glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.